We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. If you don't mind, let's turn to the book of, uh, of John chapter 20, verse 26. John 20, 26. And you can just sit there. NIV version. It'll be our only passage of scripture. A couple verses. John 20, 26. I got you covered. I'll say it again. <laughs> oh, I love y'all. John 20, 26. Do me a favor before we even get started today. I want you right now to start praying about who you're bringing to church next week. Put it in your heart and your mind to, 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 to envision who you're going to invite. Um, I don't have the words for you, but I'm, I'm pressing you right now to make sure that you bring somebody to church with you next week. Is that all right? Is everyone there? You're there? Oh, that's impressive. All right. Um, let's just sit there for a second. Um, as a young boy, I, I can remember traveling to Tuscaloosa, Alabama each year uh, for what we called summer vacation. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of conversation in the car. My parents were uh, fully zoned in on these flip maps. Who knows about a flip map? Uh, and the big map that you had to flip out and kind of map your way all the way there. Um, wasn't a significant amount of conversation in the car, at least between me and them. I heard them talking a ton. Uh, but <clears throat> I was sitting back and kind of mind my own business and just take in the change of scenery. Um, I was always fascinated with how um, the color of dirt uh, would change from brown to red the deeper you get into the south. You know what I'm talking about? Um, I, I would always be, you know, very engaged on every time we change the state to check out the new tag and the different colors of the tags and, you know, what they meant and all those different, different things. <clears throat> but I remember once, one, in one of my earlier trips going to Alabama, um, we had been driving for what felt like an eternity, y'all. Um, and <clears throat> I see this sign. Now, in my adolescence, or in my adolescent mind, um, to see a sign that says Tuscaloosa, because that was our destination, Tuscaloosa, two miles, meant to my adolescent mind that we were there. So I got my coloring books together. I put my crayons back in their box. I grabbed that chicken and put it back in that lumen foil that my mama had fried before we left Syracuse. Y'all know we do that all the time. And I put my shoes on because I had just figured in my mind, Tuscaloosa, were there. And after driving about 30 more minutes and, and, and several more miles, which now felt like another month and a half because I just knew that we were in the place, um, I say to my parents, are we there yet? And they say, no, we got a ways to go. Because I was young and not of driving age, I knew what the sign said, but I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know that the sign was pointing to something beyond itself. I'm going to say that again. I did not know that the sign was pointing to something beyond itself. When it comes to 
the matter of sacraments, specifically baptism and communion, if you don't know what the signs mean, it is very difficult to place proper value on what they point to. You see, there is no inherent power in the juice that you drink during communion, but there is power in the blood of Jesus, which it points to. There is no power in the baptism water itself, but there is a resurrecting power that raised Jesus from the dead, which it points to. Throughout scripture, and this is why this is so important, throughout scripture, you will find that God placed great value on signs and symbols. Because it, it was his way of making sure that a finite man could understand and have relationship with an infinite God. So he placed great value on signs and symbols. When you look in the book of Genesis, you will find that after the flood, God comes back to Noah and says, hey, Noah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something. I'm going to put a rainbow in the sky as a sign to say that I promise that I will never again destroy the world by way of flood. Somebody shout a sign. The Ark of the Covenant was a sign or a symbol of the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant was not God, but it pointed to the power of God. It wasn't him, but it pointed to him. Here's the thing that you have to understand about that. It's, it, it's, it's important to understand that God is so serious about signs and symbols that if you handle his symbol wrong, you will die. There was a man once who, who, who saw the Ark of the Covenant about to fall, and he put his hand on it to try and stabilize it, and he fell dead. But God had already said, don't you ever touch my sign. Signs and symbols are extremely important to God. The sacraments, the, the signs of baptism and communion have power because of what they point to. They possess power because of what they point to. And for most of us sitting in here, we've experienced them. We've, we've seen it administered. We've been in the services. And because we didn't understand what they meant, we didn't get the fullness of the power of what they pointed to. You see, this is what this series is all about. We are going to reckon within ourselves exactly what these sacraments, baptism and communion, mean to us so that we can, that we can grasp and, and maintain and have the fullness of the power of which they represent. Y'all want to push towards that? Let's do a little work. I got a definition for you. You know I got definitions for you, yes. Definition of sacrament. It's a holy ordinance, baptism and communion, undertaken by the church that serve as visible signs communicating the finished work of Jesus Christ and the reality of God's intangible divine grace upon their lives. I'll give you a second to write it. Holy ordinances, baptism, and communion undertaken by the church that serve as visible signs communicating the finished work of Jesus Christ and the reality of God's intangible divine grace upon their lives. Keep writing, it's okay. 
We don't leave people in this church. We getting close? I said, "Mm mm-mm, somebody said, "Mm -mm." (laughs) mm-mm. Yes? No. I'll give you 10 more seconds. Yes? All right, let's push. I'm going to be honest with you in this moment. Um, I grapple with the idea of using the word sacraments for the series because I had, in all of my years of church, and in, in everything that I've done, I've been ordained for years, and I've served in ministry, um, I've never heard the word sacraments used in any of the settings that I was in. Um, so when I started to look at it, because for me, the only time that I've ever heard the word sacraments has always been associated or tied to the Catholic Church. But once I started to, to dive into and to research and to, to, to study baptism and communion, I found that the categoriz- categorization of baptism and communion under the word sacraments fitted perfectly. Because unlike any other ceremonial ordinance that we perform in the church setting, Um, baptism and communion convey a much deeper meaning than anything else that we do. Anything else that we do. I'm going to say that again. Baptism and communion convey a deeper meaning than anything else that we do. Anything. If you you, you talk about um, christenings, if you talk about... um, what, what other sorry, uh, holy matrimony, all of these different things and all of these services and ceremonies that we perform, baptism and communion have a deeper meaning and more importance than anything else that we do. The reason why is because of what they point to. They are signs that point to something beyond itself. Yes, holy matrimony points to marriage, but it doesn't point to the same place that baptism and communion points to. That's why it's so important for us. So let's grab this first point. Point number one is this. I have three points today. Sure, it's okay. Okay. First, number one, signs of revelation. Say that with me, signs of revelation. The word sacrament uh, is derived from the Latin word sacramentum. Uh, And the word sacramentum was used to translate the Greek word mysterion. And I have a definition of the word mysterion. Um, And when you read the New Testament, Paul utilizes the word mysterion a lot to talk about the gospel. He He uses a lot to talk about Jesus. All right, I'm going to back up for a second. The word sacrament is derived from the Latin word sacramentum. The word sacramentum was used to, to, to translate the Greek word mysterion, and this is what mysteria means. A previously hidden but now revealed truth about God. A previously hidden, hidden but now revealed truth about God. 
give you two seconds on this one. You ain't got to have this like that. Now, when, when, when we participate in baptism and or communion, you are making, hear me on this, a profound Christological statement. When we participate in baptism and or communion, we are making a pro profound Christological statement. In other words, what you are saying is that the divine nature of Jesus the Christ has been revealed to you. That's missing some of y'all. When, 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 when I participate in baptism and or communion, I am saying that Jesus has been revealed to me. I know exactly who he is. I understand his divine nature. I know exactly what he's done for me. I know why he came for me. I know that he loves me. I know what he did on the cross. I know what happened in the grave. I know that he sits at the right hand of the Father. When I, when I participate in baptism and or communion, I am saying that Jesus the Christ, his, his divine essence has been revealed to me by God. That is exactly what I'm saying. Okay, are, are you at John chapter 20? I'm going to give you more because I knew this was going to take you somewhere. You at John chapter 20? So now let's, let's, let's get caught up in the narrative. Jesus had re revealed himself to the disciples after um, he had been, been risen. Yes? Um, and when he, when he revealed himself to his disciples, Thomas wasn't there. I don't know where Thomas was at. Thomas, Thomas was at his cousin's house, somebody's house. But he wasn't with the disciples. So when the disciples had, you know, had seen Jesus, Jesus had revealed himself to them. Um, they run back to Thomas like, yo, bro, we saw Jesus, man. He's like, listen, I ain't believing that until I put my hand on the nail prints in his hand and put my hand in his side. Y'all remember that? Okay, watch what happens next. A week later, John 20, 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now watch him address Thomas. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Thomas said. I don't know why somebody's calling me right now. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Watch me, y'all. When you participate in baptism and or communion, you are saying the same thing that Thomas said in verse 28. My Lord and my God. At some point, I didn't get you, and I didn't believe you. At some point, I wasn't even looking in your direction. At some point, I could not see you. But now I see you in all of your glory, my Lord and my God. I get your divine nature. I know that you just weren't a man. You are God as well. I understand you. I get you. I see who you are and what you did for me. I know that you came incarnation. I know that you died and you were buried and you rose again. And now you sit at the right hand of the Father all for me. Lord, I see you as my God. I may have not seen you before, but I see you now. That is, that, is what, that is what communion and baptism is a sign of. I'm saying that I see Jesus exactly for who he is. That is what it communicates. 
It means that he's been revealed to me. There's no question about his deity. There's no question about who he is. There's no question about who he is to me. I see him. Shall I see him? He's been revealed to me. That is what I'm communicating when I partake in communion. That is what I'm communicating when I partake in baptism. That I get him. Let's get the next one. Point number two. Y'all got number one? Are y'all learning? Okay. Excuse me. Point number two. Signs of covenant. Say that with me. Signs of covenant. Let's throw throw that definition up there. What's a covenant? It's a mutually binding agreement between two or more parties involving shared obligations. God established a covenant between him and his chosen people to serve as vehicles of kingdom identity, everlasting promise, and eternal blessing, accompanied by oaths, signs, and ceremonies. Y'all, this stuff is good to me. Yes? No? Yeah. Y'all ready to work? All right. Genesis chapter 12. We won't have to go there. I'm just going to talk. We're going to paraphrase. I'm going to give you scripture without having you go to it. Genesis chapter 12, God says to Abram, um, hey, bro, I like you. Um, and I like you so much that I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless you uh, with lineage. I'm going to bless you with children. I'm going to bless you with so many children that you won't even be able to count them. I'm not only going to bless you with a lineage and, 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 and offspring, but I'm going to bless you with land. I'm going to bless you with a land with milk and honey. And, 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 and it's going to be good. And, and, and I'm not just blessing you with these things for you. I'm blessing you with these things so that your lineage and, and this people can be a universal blessing to all of humanity. So God says, this is what I want to do for you. And, and, and he says, Abram, you, you cool with that? And Abram says, yes. And, and God says, okay, well, here's the deal. <clears throat> As a sign of this covenant agreement that you and I have just went into, you are to bear a sign of this covenant in your body by way of circumcision. Circumcision will, will be a sign. Somebody shout sign. Circumcision will be a sign to the world that you are in a covenant relationship with, with God, Yahweh. That is what circumcision, it, it is the sign of the covenant. It's kind of like my, my, my wedding ring. It is a sign that I'm in a covenant relationship with Tina Underwood. It's going to be a sign. Somebody shout sign. Wow. All right, so let's fast forward 400 years. Abraham's seed is now experiencing the blessing that God had pronounced upon him. They are growing like a weed. I mean, they're growing all over the place. But this growth is happening in the land of Egypt. And because it's happening in the land of Egypt, the Egyptians get nervous and say to themselves, listen, this people is going to get so big and so numerous that they're going to overtake us. So let's put them in bondage. We can't handle this. So after about 200 years of bondage or so, um, the people finally cry out to God. And then God, in response, brings Moses onto the scene. Y'all know who Moses is, right? He brings Moses onto the scene. And after nine plagues, Pharaoh and the Egyptians had yet to let God's people go. So God says, guess what? I got one more final plague. I'm going to kill every firstborn, human and animal, 
And the only way that you can escape this destruction is if you, if you, if you sacrifice a lamb and take its blood and place it over your doorpost. And when my angel of death comes into Egypt, if he sees the blood on your doorpost, I'm going to pass over. I'm teaching way better than y'all responded. I'm going to pass over. And, 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 and after I save your life, I want you to make this a lasting ordinance. I want you to, I want you to make this a ceremony. And when, it, when you do this ceremony, I want you to tell your children what this ceremony means. And this ceremony means that we're remembering the day that God saved our life and he slayed our, our enemies. Watch me now. The reason why I gave you this short history on circumcision and the Passover is because those were the signs of the covenant from the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, watch me, y'all. Baptism has replaced circumcision. And communion has replaced the Passover. So, 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 so check this out. Now, when, when, when you engage in baptism and communion, you are saying the same thing that the Israelites said in the Old Testament. We, Wanzel, this church, is in a covenant relationship with God, Yahweh. It is communicating that I am off limits to everything else. I'm a chosen people. He chose me, and I live for him. And because he chose me and I live for him, there are certain things I'm just not going to do. When you partake in baptism and in, in, in communion, I'm saying God put a ring on it. No, devil, I can't do you. No, you can't have my mind, nor can you have my children. No, I'm not going to be part of the culture because I'm of the kingdom culture. I can't do certain things. Why? Because I'm in a covenant relationship with Yahweh. Somebody shout covenant. Covenant. Let's get this third and final one. The third point I want to talk to you about today is baptism and communion serve as signs of grace. Say it with me, signs of grace. <clears throat> when we partake in baptism and or communion, we are admitting, hear me on this, we are admitting that we are not worthy of God's actions toward us. We are admitting that if it were not for God's gracious act in sending his son Jesus Jesus as payment of my sins, my soul would be lost. If it were not for the life, the incarnation, and the death, the burial, the resurrection, of Jesus the Christ, which is part of, which, which is all of God's redemptive plan, we would not be able to repay the debt of our sins. We needed the plan. And when, when I engage in communion and baptism, I am saying that I need a plan. I'm unworthy. <clears throat> I grew up in I don't even want to tell y'all this because y'all be judging me. 
I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. Um, <clears throat> and one of the worst things, one of the worst things that could ever happen to you was for one of your friends to come to your house and they see some of these packages laying around. Don't go, don't go so fast. Go back to the other one. Go back to the first one. I don't, I don't know what beef with juices is. But they used to give it to us. Let's do the next one. Now, now that's, that's government cheese. Y'all know about that government cheese was the best thing in the box. <laughs> that was the best thing in the box. Who said grilled cheese sandwich? Yes, sir. Listen, that means we ain't had no money because all we was making was grilled cheese. That's, what's the next one? Y'all remember that? Let me get the other one. I think I got one more. So listen, I was thinking about this the other day. You could not make a, make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with that peanut butter. It would tear your bread up. That, that peanut, it would rip right through your bread. <laughs> what's the next one? I know y'all don't know this one. Lunch and loaf, spam in a can. <laughs> If, hear me on this, y'all. If your friends walked in and saw these packages laying around, it was a sign that you were on welfare. It was a sign that you were broke. It was a sign that you did not have the means to make a meal without the help of the government. If it were not for the government giving you something that you did not work for, you weren't going to be able to eat. When, watch me, y'all. When we partake in baptism and communion, I'm communicating that I'm on spiritual welfare. I am communicating, I am communicating that I'm broke. I'm communicating that I can't get out of this debt by myself. And if it were not for the blood of Jesus, if it were not for Jesus who was on my side, where would I be? If it were not for his grace that went up on Calvary's cross and died for me, I would be dead in my sins. I need some welfare. But the difference between that welfare and this welfare, I'm proud of it. Mm -hmm. I'm not shamed by it. I'm proud of it. It don't bother me that you know that I'm broken and I need help and I need Jesus. Where would I be without the Lord? Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.